Good to see you this morning and also those who are joining us on live stream. Thank you for being here. Uh, England are about to kick off in the World Rugby Cup in four minutes' time. So I really do appreciate you being in church this morning. Um, this morning is the eighth in our series entitled Breakthrough. And um, the talk for this morning, I've entitled it Scheduling God. Before we get started on this, I want you to help me clear up a little bit of a disagreement. That word that I've just put on screen, is it scheduling or scheduling? Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Those who think that the word is scheduling, put your hands up. Those who think it's scheduling, put your hands up. Oh, dear me. I was hoping that there'd be a consensus and then I would stick to one or the other this morning. So I might just come out with a whole lot. Do you know, let me clear this up. It all depends on the shul that you went to. <laughs> boom, boom. Right, okay, that's terrible. All, as Sean would say, that's a dad joke. Okay. Acclaimed American author John Grisham is best known for his legal thrillers. He has sold over 245 million copies of his books, translated into 42 different languages. That, by the way, doing the sums is 244,999,714 books more than I've sold. Yeah, he's, he's just ahead, but I'm catching him up quickly. What is perhaps uh, less well known about John Grisham is that he is uh, a fellow believer, and he also was a lawyer. He worked as an attorney for 10 years, but hated his job. And uh, his ambition all the way through was to become an author. So he decided to schedule, schedule into his diary <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do this all the way through, okay? <laughs> Into his diary, one hour a day that he could sit and write. Some days he wrote a page, some other days he wrote maybe a paragraph or two. And his first book, A Time to Kill, was published in 1989. It took him four years to write. And from that point, there was no looking back. Scheduling is good. I just wonder how many of you here this morning have learned a language or gained a skill or a qualification because you scheduled two or three hours into your weekly timetable in order to take college classes. For the last 25 years, I have devised a very simple sheet. It's there. And this is to schedule my activities as a pastor week by week. I devised it way back in the 90s because most pastors will tell you that no two weeks are the same in pastoral ministry. There's no such thing as an average week. And especially for the kind of church that we have become over the years, a church which is very, very diverse uh, in our ministries. And... Um, so therefore, I was trying to be as efficient as I possibly could. And on this, you won't see it from where you're sitting, but uh, there are six boxes on this uh, sheet. To see, to do, to study, to plan, to write, to phone. So the first thing I do on a Monday morning 
when I get into the office, or even before I get to the office, perhaps at uh, home, I will look at my diary and I'll put all the events and all the people I have to see and all the things that I have to do that week in, on, on this sheet. And then as the week progresses, I add more and more and more things. This is uh, one I did earlier. So as you can see, there's just a, a mass of scribbles and details, and I get grit, delight, and satisfaction, a real sense of achievement, then when I cross through an item. If I have a spare 20 minutes, I will look at that sheet and decide whether I will have, I, whether I will send out three or four emails or maybe make a couple of telephone calls. I know full well that if I have 20 minutes, I haven't got time to go down to the hospital and do a hospital visit or write a sermon for a Sunday. Uh, different people have different ways of maximizing their time and be working efficiently, and that is mine. However, I was challenged recently, not for what is included on this form, but rather for boxes that I've left off. I noticed that I didn't have a box for leisure. I didn't have a box for keeping fit. I didn't have a box for my family. I didn't have one for prayer. And then I had this thought. Is my schedule about more about what I want to get done, but less about who I want to become? Somebody said, yes, that's the way that it affected me too. Is my schedule more about what I want to get done, but less about who I want to become? And by the way, just in case um, you think that your pastor doesn't keep fit or pray, to pray or speak to his wife, let me just put the record straight. I do all of those things, but maybe I'm not, not with the same kind of level of scheduling as I do for many other things. Perhaps I'm a little bit more ad hoc, a little bit more hit and miss. You know what it uh, feels like on a cold winter's morning, shall I really get out of bed to go for that morning run? No. It's warm in bed. It's cold out. It was such a busy day yesterday. I think I'll do it tomorrow. My normal day off is a Saturday, uh, unless, of course, there's a wedding or a leadership event or a work day. But Julie and I, if we don't plan ahead and decide what to do with our Saturdays, whether it's a, a walk in the countryside to go out for a meal to visit some friends, then what happens is that the day slips by. We, 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 we get up when we wake up, and then we have a cooked breakfast. We have a full Welsh. Do you know what a full Welsh is? It's the same as a full English, but it's got lava bread as well. And if you don't know what lava bread is, get a life. Then we'll watch some Southern Hemisphere rugby on the television. And then perhaps we'll have another coffee. And then ponder whether to have a shower and maybe get dressed. And then we look at our watches and the morning is gone. Scheduling is good. It helps us get things done. But is my schedule more about what I want to get done, but less about who I want to become? Let me put that to you. You ask yourselves that question this morning. Is your schedule more about what you want to get done, but less about who you want to become? Another question. Does God 
have a place in your daily schedule? Does he get crowded out by other things? The ordinary, mundane, yet necessary things of life, does he get crowded out? Who do I want to become? What sort of Christian do I want to be? Do I want a healthy spiritual life full of vitality and vigor, full of energy, full of serving the purposes of God in his world? Do I want to be a victor over my circumstances rather than being a vic victim of them? Do I want to be that person who is constantly introducing other people to Jesus? Someone who radiates the very presence of God in his or her life. Now, if the answer, if the answer to those questions is yes, then I would suggest to you that God needs to be scheduled in to our day and into our lives to have that personal time with Jesus. For those of you here this morning who are probably a little bit older than me, you will be referring to those times as the daily quiet time. Yes, that was uh, spoken of a lot when I was a, a new Christian by those uh, who were older than me in the faith. And this quiet time is so often a catalyst for faith. And if you want a breakthrough, because the series uh, that we're looking at at the moment is Breakthrough. If you want a breakthrough to be that person of spiritual vitality and to experience the Spirit's power, then I would say to you this morning, do make time for God in your life. There's a lovely Noel Richard song that we used to sing some years ago in this church. To be in your presence, to sit at your feet, when you are loved surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my desire, O Lord, this is my desire, to rest in your presence, not rushing away, to cherish each moment. Here I would stay. I would say that the most important thing in my life, in your lives, is our relationship with Jesus. And when that relationship with Jesus is compromised, we lose something. We lose that spiritual vigor, that spiritual energy. Life becomes clunky. We tend to lose our joy. Everything becomes an effort. We feel that sometimes we are wading through treacle. Little things become big things to us. How do I know that? I know that because I've got the t-shirt. And I guess that at some time or another, in your journey, you have been there too. And if you've never experienced what I'm talking about this morning, then I suggest you join another church. And the reason for that, you are much too holy for this one. <laughs> Let's look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. In the New Living Translation there, he writes, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. The message translation is even more forceful, and it says this in the last couple of verses there. I don't know about you, but
but I am running hard for the finish line. I am giving everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. Again, another question. Lots of questions for you this morning. How are you running your Christian life? Is your schedule more about what you want to get done or about who you want to become? It's interesting, isn't it, you know, the things that uh, people sometimes say to me and see, people are very kind and people will come up and want to say kind things, encouraging things and good-hearted people. But sometimes, instead of encouraging you, they discourage you. Have you ever had that? Yes, I, I, I've had it lots. You know, um, I'm sure I've told you this story. Yes, I, I have told you this story on another occasion. But uh, some years back, um, when I was a, a young pastor and I was taking a youth event for over a weekend, this uh, young guy just wanted to come up and encourage me at the end of the, uh, the time and said, Steve, that was a brilliant weekend. Thank you so much. You, you really blessed my socks off. Uh, you were absolutely amazing. Those talks you gave were fantastic. Wow. Because I used to think you were a prat. <laughs> and you see at one level I, sh I, I sort of walked away thinking now am I to be encouraged by that but it didn't encourage me at all because I'm thinking why did he think I was a prat is that what other people are thinking as well please don't answer that okay and in a similar way in a similar way, I get concerned when someone says to me after a service on a Sunday morning, I'm glad I was in church today. Now, hang on a second. I, I, I think I know where they're coming from. What they're telling me is that, you know, the morning's been good for them. It's been an encouraging time. They met with God. It's been great. You know, they were glad that they were here. But whenever I get told by someone, I'm glad I came to church today. Can I be honest? What I really want to say to them is, so you are telling me that you're not pondering on coming some weeks. You don't have coming to church on your agenda, on your calendar. You just get up on a Sunday morning and decide what it feels like, whether, whether you feel like coming or not. You flip a coin, heads church, tails no, I'll stay in bed in my best basil faulty voice that's what i want to say but what i really say my usual response because i'm nice <laughs> that wasn't meant to be funny <laughs> is i'm glad that the morning was good for you what sort of christian do you want to be if you want to be a Christian who is more powerful and mature follower of Jesus, then why wouldn't you schedule church into your diary in the same th way that you schedule anything else that you value as important? Jesus, what did he do? Well, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it tell, we're told there that on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue and then come four very, very important words. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Tell you what, underline those four words in your Bible. As was his custom. 
Jesus didn't need to pray about it, whether to come out or not. He didn't toss a coin. It was part and parcel of his schedule. You see, isn't it true that we always make time for what we think is valuable? Isn't that true? We make time for what we think is valuable. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, said Jesus. And our present series is all about spiritual breakthrough, about breaking through into new levels of spiritual intimacy in our walk with God so that we can be that person that God intends us to be so that we can be his or her person in this world doing his purposes in a place where we can be spiritually so that we can be useful to the things of God. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 in the authorized version says, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Shall be strong and do exploits. Do you want to be strong in your faith? Are you someone who wants to do exploits? You know, it's great, isn't it, hearing the stories of others. You know, those people who give great testimonies of God's grace in their lives and the things that they have achieved for Him and for His kingdom. It's great hearing those stories. But that is God's desire for you too, for all of you. Knowing about God isn't enough. I would say that you need to know Him. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God so that He will draw near to you. It's a wonderful picture as well in Psalm 1 of a person who takes time out with God where God is not some afterthought in this person's life. You probably know that great psalm. I remember it in, in, in the authorized version. But in the, in the NIV it says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. And I think that's a wonderful metaphor, a wonderful example there of what that person who meditates on the Lord, who comes into his presence regularly, looks like, like a tree planted by streams of water, fruitful, spiritually prosperous. Jesus gives us another example of what this looks like in John chapter 15, and he says, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me? I am the vine, says Jesus, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. Jesus, why don't you tell us a little bit more straightforwardly than that? That is very, very straightforward, isn't it? You know, get this. That's from the Lord. On another occasion, Jesus said, out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what's in your heart will always spill out to others. It will spill out in times of trial. It will spill out when the storm clouds gather. It will spill out when we experience those dark days of faith, when heaven is silent, when God seems to have just pressed the mute button that you can't hear his voice any longer. 
Most of us here this morning know that uh, great story, first book of the Bible in Genesis, it's the story of Joseph and how Joseph interpreted uh, Pharaoh's dreams about the seven years of famine that would come following the seven years of plenty and that it was important for them to store up grain for the years of famine that were to follow. There's a spiritual principle in that picture that we need to store up when things are good. We need to practice good habits. We need to learn how to listen to God's voice. We need to build those relationships of trust with our fellow believers. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord. Sadly, I've known many Christians over the years who have not done those things and they have shipwrecked their faith because they tried experiencing the storms which inevitably come to all of us too without storing up in the days of plenty, in the days when things are well for us. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You see, this morning, my focus on scheduling time for God in our lives is not meant to be some guilt trip, okay? This isn't about making you feel guilty or condemned or discouraged. Please, please, no. And please don't go home and have roast pasta with your Yorkshire pud. Steve was a bit heavier this morning. What he said made me really look at myself and made me feel guilty. Absolutely not. This isn't about guilt. It's about God, our Heavenly Father, inviting us into that place with Him. He yearns for us to sit in His presence, as Mary did at the feet of Jesus, for us to hear His voice, to learn His ways, and for us to delight ourselves in Him. Some of you might think what I'm speaking about this morning and associate this subject with the word duty. It's not duty. And it's most certainly not drudgery. Let me give you another D. It's a delight. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's an incredible promise, isn't it? Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Wow! By the way, that isn't a promise to get rich or to have a big house or a new car or whatever. Those who delight in the Lord will know more of His presence. For His presence is our greatest delight and our greatest joy and our greatest desire. The Lord desires that we come before Him and to be still, to know that place of spiritual intimacy, to know that He's God. Personally, I find it very, very difficult being still. I'm much more of a Martha than a Mary. It's the way I'm wired. I always want to be doing stuff. I want to be active. But let me be honest with you today. Those times, as I look back, those times when I've been at my best, those times when I have been at my most fruitful as a Christian, have been those times when I have come before Him for fresh encouragement and new direction. Does that ring a bell with any of you too? Those times, you know, the times when I have tried to do stuff on my own, 
when it's all been about me and what I get done and what's on my agenda and what's my scheduling looking like. But those times when I have come before him and received of him are those times when he has brought greatest encouragement and given me new marching orders. Being still has two wonderful benefits. Firstly, it replenishes our hearts. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me down, lie, to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And he promises to replenish and to refresh and to renew our inner being. But we need to give him the opportunity to do so. And the second thing is that he recalibrates our perspective. As we give the Lord time, he often shifts our outlook by reminding us what really is important in our lives. You know, the stuff of life sometimes swallows us up, doesn't it? You know, as we go through life and we, all we can see is this great big problem or circumstance that we're trying to weed our way through. That's all we can see, but coming into His presence causes us to look at that with new perspective. Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to share with you a story. I'm, I'm, I'm done, by the way. That was a short one, wasn't it? That's what you're thinking. But you're much too kind, like I'm kind. So, seriously. I'm going to share a story with you, uh, putting it on screen from American pastor Bill Hybels. Some of you will know that... Um, there has uh, recently been some question over Bill's character in the media. But whatever the truth of that is, it does not invalidate what God has done in this man's life and this particular story that I want to share with you. That's our question this morning. Where's your chair? Bill was not speaking, obviously, of a literal chair, although it might be, but a time and a place that works for you. might be in your home, maybe somewhere else. It may include worship music. It may be in silence. It might be with an open Bible, following someone else's Bible notes, or reading on your own, allowing the Spirit to bring you fresh revelation. You might be someone who will write a journal to write your thoughts and your prayers and your spiritual insights. You might not do that at all. Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want to hear from God? Do you want to be equipped for all those good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? Get a chair. And here's the challenge this morning. We always make time for that which we value. 